As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's been a long road from being undrafted out of high school. It's been a long journey, man, and a lot left to learn. I know there's a lot left to get done, and there's, there's a lot more to do. There's a changeup to get him swinging. Nasty stuff as Manoa strikes out Odor. Swing and a miss. Judge down to a knee with the force of that swing. And he got him. Look at that swing. How late Judge was, and Manoa strikes out Judge. What is really going to stick with you for, for years after this outing? Hopefully everything, you know, I just want to take it all in and want to hug my whole family. And I think that's what I'm going to enjoy the most is how many people came out here to see me. I think that's what I remember the most. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Welcome to Spin Rate. This is the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. It is an exciting, even a momentous day in Blue Jays history. Ordinarily, we record this show on Wednesday nights, but the weather didn't play along. So we decided to record on Thursday night so that we could recap Alec Manoa's first start in the big leagues, and it was a spectacular one against the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, under the sun, in front of no one but his very enthusiastic family. It was a great day for the Blue Jays. It was a great game. First front half of a double of a doubleheader. Fortunately, they dropped the doubleheader when I'm recording this. But still, good vibes, good energy. Really exciting time for the Blue Jays to see uh, uh, one of their top pitching prospects come to the big leagues and just shove. So before we get into the show, I want to do the housekeeping part, which is make sure you go to theathletic.com slash spinrate. Subscribe to The Athletics. You can read everything that my co-host, Caitlin McGrath, writes about your Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays. I'm sure you'll want to write what she read what she has written about Alec Manoa, his debut, the doubleheader in the Bronx. You want to read everything that Ken Rosenthal writes. You want to read everything that uh, that all of the amazing baseball writers, you know, Sarah's writing about all the gunk, they're putting on the ball, the cheating, which may be potentially having a bit of a moment, maybe coming to a head a little bit here in baseball. Some interesting uh, um uh, news, some in- interesting interesting um, developments this week across the league in St. Louis in particular. Uh, uh, Gio Gallego was asked to change his hat. God only knows what's coming next. 
So subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spinrate. You can also subscribe to this show. You do not have to be a subscriber to The Athletic to listen to this show. I think you should. That way you can keep up. You know what we're talking about. You can be as informed and probably more so than me. Not Caitlin, but me. You want to go to wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can get them on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Overcast, on Stitcher, wherever. Podbean. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Subscribe to the show. Hit us with a rating. Hit us with a like. Hit us with a, with a five out of five. Tell people why you like the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the algorithm, which is probably more important than me. They're always more important than us. But we are going to talk today almost exclusively about Alec Manoa. And it is my pleasure that we got to do it with Andrew Zuber, my friend and yours, the Zubes the co-host of Sportsfeld. He is one of the geniuses behind Wrestling Brain on Twitch. And it's always fun to talk about the Zoobs and really keep real fresh. We just kind of hopped on pretty much right after the game was over, excited to talk about Alec Manoa. So I would say, with no further ado, I hope that you enjoy this week's edition of SpinRate. All right, as previously mentioned, it is my pleasure at this time to be joined on SpinRate by none other than the co-host of Sportsfeld. You know him from online. You know him as a frequent guest friend of this show in every iteration. He's my friend. He's your friend. His name is Andrew Zuber. Mr. Zuber, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. What a great time to be here. We're all absolutely buzzing off the Alec Manoa fumes. Let's get after it. The The vibes are good. The vibes are strong right now. The, the Teoscar Hernandez vibe check uh, could not could not get a higher score as that's really what we hear. We, we pushed this back by a day to record uh, thanks to the rainout. We wanted to talk about Alec Manoa. It was only a seven inning game, but that meant that he pitched in like 86% of the game. A great first start. Uh, everything about, everything about this Alec Manoa start was not everything, but which we'll get into, but every other, every aesthetic thing about it was perfect. It's a nice day. He looked like a million bucks. His mom, was like a full three-inning sideshow all to herself, and it was incredible. Uh, but let me just ask you, excuse me, let me just ask you, like, what are your, what was your impressions of this amazing start and this great day? As good as could possibly have dreamed for. It was like everything you said, it, it sort of all fell into place of like that maybe it would have been a little bit more raucous if it was a night, if it was a single game at night at Yankee Stadium, maybe it would have been a little bit more crowd. Basically, there was nobody there except for his family because a doubleheader, uh, at limited capacity, uh, you know, on a colder day, it was very, very nice the last couple of days. So I think a lot of those things played into his favor, especially the seven inning thing, because he goes six and you're like, oh man, he basically threw an eight inning, basically threw eight, absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, vibes off the charts, like uh, people call it mound presence. He absolutely has that. He's enormous, which is perfect. Uh, there's so many things to pick apart from that, like the dichotomy of him wearing number six, that the next guy to wear six is the largest possible person <laughs> after Stroman. <laughs> it's so subtly good. Uh, listen, absolutely loving it. Uh, it. Couldn't have possibly dreamed. I had two people. This rarely happens to me. I had two people um, when I had uncovered that he was listed on the CBS Sports like probable starter as well ahead of time two people came in and were like arguing with this person in my mentions they were like he's going to be terrible it's a terrible spot he's going to get shelled by the yankees uh they could not have possibly been more wrong and it was great to have that sort of happen uh yeah wildest dreams two was he three hits and like two, two. of them were absolute two hits and two both, of them, both were of them were dog shit they were both dog shit flares 
walk the leadoff hitter. I mean, listen, the stuff plays, I, I think, especially as it went along. Like, I think the first inning, he was maybe a little bit squirrely. He was sort of all over the place. It didn't look like he actually threw a real strike until strike three to judge mm-hmm. uh, in the first at-bat. But then, like, man, that secondary stuff plays. Holy smokes. Like, the changeup looked ridiculous. Some of the first pitch sliders, like, oh, the whole, the whole, mwah, the whole, the whole piece. Beautiful. I think I'm glad that you you went there. I I don't want to depart too far from the from the vibes from the meme the meme of memification of his mom who was just losing her shit like absolutely <laughs> beside herself the entire time screaming got the phone going got the sunglasses but you could see she's just like feeling every feeling that there is and it was delightful. I know Lindsay Adler who covers obviously the Yankees for the Athletics. She had a shot of she she was in the press box and you could hear them. There's 40 of them, 40 people in the in the Manoa clan just shrieking and hooting and hollering away and uh, a great time an absolute great time he pitched so well like you said he walked uh, I think he walked two gave up two hits uh, and seven strikeouts it was great because it was at Yankee Stadium and the, the, uh, I know that uh, like Buck and, and Dan and, and the crew made a lot about it, especially his grandmother was a big Yankees fan uh, it's Yankee Stadium which is Yankee Stadium is Yankee Stadium like that's just the place to do that the team on the other side of the field is wearing the pinstripes it's perfect now the Yankees lineup is dog shit. Like that is there, <laughs> horrible. That is a ghost of the real Yankees lineup. That at some point you'd think you would see. I mean, we're talking. There's no 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 Voit, no Stanton. Uh, Lemayhu is is off to a rough patch. Uh, Gary Sanchez not in the lineup in the in the first game of the doubleheader. Sucks anyways. Like that was a that was good eating for a guy like Alec Manoa. The in that lineup being in the state that it was in. But at the same time, still sees Yankees on the scorecard, right? But that was a nice, that was a pretty nice landing spot if you're gonna if you're gonna drop a guy in. The stuff was really, really impressive. The a lot of people are gonna t- think about. I hope I, are gonna think back to speaking of, of the aesthetic of the two back to back pitches to Aaron Judge, where the one where he threw the fastball straight past him and Judge like fell flat on his face. Effectively, I saw there was like a bend the knee meme going around where he's down on one knee, he's got his hand on the ground, and then the next one where he threw the fastball like so. It was like Judge tried to pick it out of out of Reese McGuire's glove with his bat when it had already <laughs> gone past. Delightful. The changeup was the real uh, surprise, a really nice surprise. I think that was the, the the offering that came in as maybe iffy, and he threw some great ones. The one uh, the one he used to strike out uh, Rugden Odor in the first inning. Was amazing, beautiful changeup, tons of arm side run. Odor overmatched, uh, a really great pitch. Again, just uh, not to belabor the point about the Yankees being dog shit, but they had Rugden Odor in their lineup hitting second because who the hell else is going to do it? At yeah, this a, point? a lot of people say that Rugden Odor looks different without the beard, and I think he looks exactly the same. Uh, absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, they're not the bosses, Yankees. Absolutely. Um, but to the, another thing that sort of popped into my head watching this game was like, yeah, the, the Yankees lineup is dog shit. And obviously it's not going to be this the entire season. They're going to have uh, Stanton back. They're going to have important guys up. I don't know that LeMahieu is going to be terrible the whole year, but oof, imagine they had signed LeMahieu instead of Semyon right now. It would have been That would be trouble. But uh, another part of that is like there really is no big bad wolf team. And I said this before on this podcast, but like other than the last week where they like, you know, grains of sand through their fist against Boston and Tampa. There is no like the Yankees are the only other team that you're really, really talking about when you're talking about the upper crust that they're super, super worried about. And, you know, they pissed away those games last week. They weren't mm-hmm. overmatched in any way. So the, to me, 
I think seeing this last week, even though they lost six of those games, they were competitive in every game and, and they just sort of were missing one or two small things. I think they're about to have a huge injection. And we talk about the, the, the vibes. I think the vibes are about to be through the roof here for a little bit. If the, if Mano is good, if they can, if George Springer does anything but take BP, I've never seen anybody have more BP footage every day. <laughs> every day we get footage of George Springer like laughing his ass off, like time of his life, <laughs> all smiles. To, he he's trying to match the Teoscar Hernandez vibe vibe perspective. He's like, I can bring the vibes just as hard with my. But Rogers is like, we got to get our money's worth, man. We're paying this guy 150 million <laughs> yeah. bucks. We're gonna get content out of him. We're gonna just fill the airwaves with George Springer highlights. They okay. should at least be selling whatever T-shirt he takes batting practice in let's get some merch off the off the shelves here that's the only time i ever see him uh, but uh, listen uh, charlie did say other than uh changing directions he's doing fine so all good all good on that end who and an outfielder a base runner changing directions <laughs> who needs it now so so much to celebrate it was a great start it was a great thing to watch the thing i'm going to say was it's going to sound a little bit like me doubling down on something that i said on twitter like a week and a half ago that I took, I didn't say I took heat. People, people disagreed, which is fine. And, and, and very few people called me an idiot, which is, would, there, there were the highlights of the game against, I guess it's not Pawtucket anymore. It's, it's the Worcester Red Sox. Sure. When Manoa struck out like a hundred of them. And he was throwing the slider and his slider in, from where I was, from the camera angle, the slider was up. A lot. It wasn't down in the zone. It wasn't buried. When he was throwing it to lefties, it wasn't down on the on the back foot. It was kind of like under the hands, which isn't the worst place to be. But it was still like in the upper half of, of the zone. So that was I made an observation. I was like, look, big leaguers aren't gonna aren't gonna miss these like this. Alec Manoa threw what did he th- throw? Twelve. He threw sorry. He threw twenty six sliders today. He got two swing and misses. Two on twenty six because the slider wasn't great. It, mm. And it it wasn't used in a way that I would consider a slider to be used, and, and and the way that we saw it being used as like a real strikeout weapon, as a strike three throwing it past guys. He threw a lot of sliders that I think were to to be fair, and if we're all being honest and just trying to like evaluate it for what it was, they weren't they were bad. A lot of them were like way up in the zone. He got a couple good calls where he I know the pitching ninja uh, clipped one where it was like oh we paint with the with the with a slider, and I was like man that slider is like up and on the outside corner like that's not exactly where you'd want to throw it. Now he got away with one to Judge that that uh, in Judge's last at bat where he he just missed it and and it flew out to center field. Like I wouldn't want to be living there. If I'm anybody, Alec Manoa included. That said, he can get away with it because he throws two really, really good fastballs and he fills the zone, right? He wasn't walking anybody. So he's got the two fastballs. He's got the two seamer that, that can, that had a nice bit of, of, of arm side run that's, that's coming in on the righties. He can throw that, that high spin four seamer that, that they couldn't touch. The judge looked like an idiot on that he threw past a lot of folks. And, and the, when the changeup, which he, he got way more, he only threw, I think, well, he got seven, he threw it 13 times, got three swing and misses. We got more swing and misses with the changeup. And the other thing I'll say is the slider, he got two, real, the two swing and misses he got were when he needed them. They were with two strikes and they were on really good pitches that were down. The one I think, I can't remember, might have been Higashioka, was like, it was in the dirt. It was like in the other batter's box. Like those are good pitches. He needs to do that more unless he's really using that, that slider as like a kind of get me over sort of like steal a strike pitch, which is a little bit living dangerously, but it, he, the, when, when you combine it with all the other stuff and you combine it with the ability to throw strikes, that's when the stuff plays 
resonates because it all it's all part of the package. Individually, in, in, in isolation, those pitches aren't great, but he can get away with it because he's got so much else to offer, I think. And, and there's no reason to not be excited. I'm just going <clears> to <throat> not throw cold water on it, but make my observation because I'm dug in, frankly. No, I think point. that's I think it's I think that's reasonable. And and listen, you know, we all know it's not always going to be six scoreless, uh, effortlessly carving up, you know, a lineup that has Ruben Odor hitting second in it. There's gonna be bumps <laughs> in the road. You know, uh Nate Pearson's path is one that you you don't have to look very far to see a guy who you sort of saw a similar level of hype in and and I even remember, you know, last year in the the little peak we did have it, it was the not just the 100 miles an hour it was the fact that he was throwing sliders and change-ups that had really really drooling and it's sort of a similar package here obviously toned down a little bit but in a another big fella it's exciting it, it's room to dream because you know i think it it pairs nicely with how low the expectations have gotten for some of those rotation spots right that the anthony k uh grab bag could be anybody's slot and the raw stripling um uh, Oh, every single time he knows he's one run away from getting cut out of the rotation, <laughs> getting out of the inning somehow. Uh, those that, that's you know that's forty percent of your of your rotation, and then you're really really banking on mm-hmm. Ray and Ryu, and you know Matt's not having a blow up inning. So they really do need anything at all, anything at all from those slots, and I think that's what makes it at least for me. Um, a softer landing zone for Manoa. Like I, I do expect obviously there to be bumps and there's going to be games where he gets hit and that slider, for example, gets, gets jumped on. Um, but I think there's, there's, you know, we don't know what the ceiling is and there's sort of that fun of like, it's something to watch every time out versus like, man, I hope Ross Stripling doesn't like get absolutely rocked around the world tonight or hope it's not a, <laughs> hope it's not a ton of Trent Thornton or like all those sort of things. There's some room here for some real optimism and, uh, yeah, I was really. I, I'm. I'm with you. I was. I was really taken taken back by the the changeup. I thought he did a masterful job with, and uh, the the two seam fastball, uh, the way he mixed that with off his changeup and off his his other fastball, the high spin four seamer, mm-hmm. uh, really really mesmerizing and just like man, the two seam uh, was moving really really cool. It's almost reminding me of like old Josh Johnson, the old Josh Johnson like diamond tipped bore, just like drilling in. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The, the comparison to, to Pearson is interesting because they both have great stuff. Pearson's stuff is ridiculous, right? And he throws even harder. But the fact that, that when Pearson has been in the big leagues at a variety of times, other than like the, the, the playoff appearance against the Rays and most of that start against uh, Washington, he, he can't throw strikes. 
And then it, when he can't throw strikes, it doesn't matter how beautiful his slider is or how well he buries it in the dirt when he needs to. There, if he's behind in the count all the time, then he ends up just kind of searching for the strike zone where Manoa wasn't doing that today. And, and it'll be interesting. Like you said, it's, it's not always going to be, be perfect. Like any pitcher, there'll be days when it's not there. There'll be days when he doesn't have his best fastball and when he can't locate. But when he can locate that fastball, when he can command, what do they, what do they say? Like all four quadrants of the strike zone, he's going to carve people up. He's going to break their bats. He's going to break their spirits. And then it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter, but that's something that he can then add and become even better, right? He, he, when, when you, when, like you said, when you've got those, if he can do that, get that tunneling effect where it's like all the pitches are kind of coming through and they all sort of go like reep in their own different ways and at their own different speeds, he, he could be, he could be a true monster. And he's just like the easiest guy to root for as well. Like we've talked about, like I was, I've been joking about it. I talked about it on here with Caitlin before about like just, this, that big donkey dick, like just big and un, completely untroubled, like a completely untroubled individual who's just like, yeah, man. He says, man, like wants a sentence and it's beautiful. And he's just out there having the time of his life. And I hope it continues because it sure the hell, it sure beats the Nate Pearson, like talking to himself and like stomping up and down the dugout because he's not sure if this is going to be his last start in the big leagues. It's really when it's going again, when it's going good, it's easy, but he makes it look easy and makes it look fun, which is nice to have. Yeah, he he definitely has uh, a mound presence that, that sort of is a real mm-hmm. thing. And I, and I think um, sort of going through the rotation, it, it is funny. It is like a really different collection of guys that they all sort of go about their work very different way. Like, um, you know, Ryu is, is like watching a Bob Ross painting sort of. It's just like it's really it's always in control. It, it's. It's like he's he everything is going exactly to plan and he's able to if it's not, he's able to like create a new plan on the fly and it's never stressed. It's you're never really worried. Mm-hmm. Um Steven Matz always looks like he's like he has a suitcase packed. Like he looks like he's <laughs> like one thing away from just being like, and we never saw Steven Matz again. Like he, he and then Manoa's like you the way he like, and then again, this is we're we're curating vibes here and we're 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 casting from from a place where I'm obviously not able to be in the clubhouse and in dugout, but like he shows up with the blue tinted sunglasses. Like he just really exudes. He really oozes that, like that macho, like I'm really good at this. And like, I'm huge and I throw smoke like this rocks to be me. He's so big. <laughs> I, I found a couple things. Uh, I found it really interesting that the word tarp has been in the kind of lexicon this week because mm-hmm. Alec Manoa's jersey, you could also use to cover your pool at any time <laughs> if need be. But the other thing is I was a little disappointed because he had all the buttons on his jersey done up. I was expecting him to come out with like at least two undone, like full swagger, like unbelievable amounts, there. the chains and all that stuff. But like, again, just the smiles, the size, like eight and eight, eight and seven eights hat that he's got rocking on there. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and, uh, it, it is it is an interesting mix. It was really interesting uh, to see guys like like Marcus Stroman pitch today. Marcus Stroman yeah. had time between he, his start ending to hop online and be like and shout out Alec Manoa, a guy that 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 they uh, apparently spent some time together and worked together and uh, and and good for uh, good for for Manoa and and but to, but to the to the the bigger Blue Jays picture that. There's no obviously there's no downside to him pitching well like oh oh no we have too many good pitchers but like all it does is start to take you know push guys further down the line now mm-hmm. you don't like you said you're not worried about 
you know, what what role uh, um, Ross Stripling can fit in. Now it's kind of a, a, pat, a patchwork piece. Is, is he going to take starts? Is he going to be a long man? You know, who who's the odd who's the odd man out in terms of pitching? Again, as as we've seen, as you alluded to, the the weekend series against Tampa Bay and, and uh, the previous series against Boston, where the bullpen was really overtaxed and really looking rough. And now they lost David Phelps for the year. So it's like they're in a rough spot. So so anything else they can get in the rotation that can only impact and positively impact that that bullpen. Which I think another thing we maybe we, another guy we could talk about uh, who's got his own set of vibes is Jordan Romano, who's now seems like the ninth inning guy uh, for the moment, and uh, he looks ridiculous recently. So good. Yeah. Just before we move on from, I just wanted to say how, but the one disappointment today was like that we got robbed of the Manoa Kirk battery first time out. That would have been. The first time those two guys are meeting on the mound would have been a special photo. It's just like absolute giant and the shortest guy. And they're both like just big fellas, like talking, <laughs> pitching. That's, that's what I get out of bed for. But and then, uh, yeah. And then you get, you get Rowdy running over there from first awesome. base. And they, <laughs> some of the picks today, they're just <laughs> pelting Rowdy's feet. Brutal, brutal throws today. But anyway, to Romano's point. Um, yeah, absolutely. And like really... He sort of reminds me of sometimes maybe you uh, your audience will understand it as well. It's like you'll see a photo of a wrestler in real life and you'll be like, oh, yeah, a huge part of his job is like believably looking crazy. Right. I, I get that from Jordan <laughs> Romano. It's like, I guess just like when he and his idea, us, it's like we go to work, we sit at our desk and, and type and fill in spreadsheets. His idea of go to work is like, all right, now I have to look crazy for three and a half hours. <laughs> and I love it. Listen, that's 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 late reliever stuff. Big, big, crazy beard, talking to yourself, uh, bending low. Uh, uh, you know, the wiggle, the wiggle he's got going these the days wiggle. where he's like uh, side to side, pure <laughs> hips. Dan likes to mention that he gets up and starts walking around in like the second inning. Uh, absolutely into it. Um, as long as he's staying in, in the bullpen, he's the guy probably that I trust most only because... I don't know who the rest of the guys are except for Dolis, who I would like to never watch again. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a horror show! I knew it wasn't gonna, when they, when it was one out in the sixth, and they showed that Dolis was warming up. I was like, "You can't do this to us! You can't turn the ninth <laughs> over to Dolis." But it was, you know, in case. Uh, I'm sure that of, Teoscar Hernandez, the, the the executive in charge of vibes, came over. I was like, "This isn't going to work for us right now. You need to was, do anything else other than this." <laughs> who led the water bottle in the interview brigade? Of course, it was Teoscar. Mr. Seeds himself. Uh, yeah, I. I Tyler Chatwood. I hope that Tyler Chatwood doesn't be isn't overly colored by that one rough outing. I think he's been great throwing a lot of strikes. But that's the biggest thing for for Jordan Romano. That everybody, you know, Caitlin and I talked about at the beginning of the season. Caitlin sort of predicted like, hey, maybe this he could be a guy that could, you know, um, uh, uh, be get some be the closer, get some get some appearances uh, at the end of the games. And he's absolutely done that. And for him, the biggest thing, and it's something that's carried over from last year, is that he's throwing strikes too. He throws 98. Now it's up. He's up to 99 and 100 sometimes. Uh, but throwing strikes. And, and even today, again, so the, the, maybe the difference kind of to counter to what I was saying earlier about Manoa's slider is that Romano's slider, it doesn't, he doesn't tend to like bury it quite as much. And he can, he can throw it for a strike, but it's 90, right? Like his slider is 90 miles an hour. You can get away with a lot more when your slider is 90 as compared to 82, 83, 84, which you see from Manoa. But uh, Romano's been great and uh, definitely a guy that when I, when I see him coming in, I'm like, okay, I'm good with this. Throwing 99 is like the ultimate eraser. Like nothing, yeah. nothing else matters when you, when you can pump it in there at that speed. Yeah, Chatwood. Chatwood does worry me only because, like, um, to your point, is like 
not about getting so much colored with the last appearance where he's seen to lose lose control, but it's like there's a not too distant history of like once the control is gone, it's gone, gone. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought he really like in his most recent appearance, I think he got a double play ball after a walk, and it was like oof. That was the personification of when you tweet, like, I'm not having a meltdown. It was like the definitely, like, <laughs> definitely wasn't a meltdown and happening by Tyler Chatwood tonight getting a hard hit double play ball. But yeah, listen, I mean, they're in dire, dire straits back there. That They've had Phelps and Merriweather and, and Kirby Yates, uh, who doesn't exist. They've had a, they've had a bunch of stuff uh, happen. And, 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 you know, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know if that's sort of a consequence of, of player usage or if that is just because they haven't had uh, the rotation that they that they have wanted, or if that's just, you know, shit luck. Life happens that way, and that's baseball. Um, but it has been extremely disheartening. It, it, you know, I don't, I don't know that anybody believed when they were the best bullpen in the league through the first month or when they were, like, one of the best uh, team ERAs. I don't think anybody truly believed that was, like, a, a reflection of reality. But, um, you know, it sucks when your bullpen loses games because the, the, the big takeaway for me, especially if you want to look at the entire first what are we 50 ish games in here is has been, they've been in basically every game. I don't, I don't remember them really being blown out to any point where you're like, they never come back from this. They've had games where you'll, you'll find it, stop watching, but mm. um, they're pretty much in everything, especially with the way that they hit. Well, look, those couple of games against Tampa Bay in particular, where they were tight games and then like a last, you know, late inning collapse or the, actually the late inning comeback. And then, you know, Tampa scored what seven runs in like the 11th inning or something obnoxious like that. Um, another good thing. I, <laughs> this is, this is where I am right now. Uh, been there's a lot of talk and attention this week about cheating about guys pitchers loading up the ball john means of the orioles is apparently like the among the most flagrant and and uh i I watched some very like slow-mo oh there you can see he goes he's loading up loading up going to the glove loading up doing this uh alec manoa was going to his mouth a lot going to the Mm. mouth and then which so i'm like sweet he's not loading up He's not about to lick a bunch of super glue and whatever that goofy stuff that Eno and I talked about to load up the ball. So good to see. I've, I've decided in my head that Tampa Bay, they all cheat. Of course. That yeah, they, that we knew. That, that we knew. It's just a matter of like figuring out how they do it. Um, because they were complaining about, this is a bit of a like a bit of a tangent, but they were com- complaining because Tyler Chatwood started again last night ahead of his start. There was a lot of like, I don't know what's up with the Blue Jays. They know what's coming. It's like, mm, you cheat. You're the Rays. <laughs> and make baseball worse uh, by having success. It's, in of, every way. In every yeah. way they make baseball worse. Even though they're, they're, the way their team is good is kind of, I don't know. They make baseball worse. I'm not here to carry water for the Rays. <laughs> trust me. Well, every franchise wishes that they had, were the Rays is, is the sickening truth of all these front office guys. They wish, they wish that they were, could be seen in that vein by their peers. Which is to say that when the thing when things go wrong, nobody cares. Nobody asks. That's right. That's, that, <laughs> that's the way to be. At least Just, it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. At least it was. At least we. At least we dumped that salary. We're better. I should. I should correct myself. I was talking on Sunday show with Caitlin about uh, about Manuel Margot and Tommy Pham. So they did not actually trade Manuel Margot for Tommy Pham. They traded Manuel Margot for uh, Emilio Pagan. That's right. Reliever, the guy that wore the big had used to wear the big helmet because he got hit. The comebacker, the great kazoo helmet. So, correct apologies from uh, from the errors and corrections department that no one no one reminded me because they were all like he's just rambling and ranting about the Rays. So everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, fuck the Rays. But uh, so I don't know anything else. Are there any other big takeaways? So the Blue Jays, as we are, you and I are discussing or are talking here. The Blue Jays are still embroiled in uh, in a big series again or in a in the second game of the doubleheader against the uh, 
the Yankees. It does not appear that Robbie Ray was exactly his sharpest. But I guess, so here we are, uh, Zubes, with Alec Manoa maybe uh, presumably here to stay or here to get another couple starts. How do you feel about the, about the Blue Jays here now, uh, just about two months into the season, looking ahead to, uh, to the summer? How do you feel about the team compared to when last we spoke, for example? I think they're about where I expected them to be. Uh, the the six-game losing streak sort of knocks the record down back um, a little bit below, I think, the true talent level. I think when they were, when they were you know, six games over 500, it was like, this This felt right. It felt, it felt, it felt like it was fair. Like, they hadn't stolen any they didn't deserve. They sort of had, had pitched well. I think, I think we sort of still know what the issues are. And it, it, the, I think the good thing for me is the issues seem really apparent. It's like you could always use more pitching depth. You could always use more bullpen stability. And right now, when someone, you know, Biggio being out, for example, for all the shortcomings we talked about with Biggio last time, when he's not in the lineup, you're like, ooh, this is a lot of Jonathan Davis. This is a lot of Santiago Espinal. This is a lot of the catcher slot. Like you, you're, you see pretty quickly how much uh, seven, eight, nine can, can fall off the table here. Gurriel is starting to heat up a little bit, but I think, you know, a, a bench bat in the third baseman is not a crazy lift to do. I, I, I do think Manoa gives them a big shot of confidence and, and, and that will help uh, quite a bit. I think they're in a good spot. I think they're, I think they're about to sort of, I, I talked about this with Jake. Um, I think some, I think some, some fuck you is about to come out. If that makes sense. I think they're about to like go from, Oh, that's a fun young team to follow to be like, man, I'm sticky here in about the blue Jays. I think that's, I think <laughs> we, we, we might get some of that. And I, and I think, um, you know, how could you not be over the moon about Vladdy for things like, for example, like he's been, truly unbelievable uh, not, not even unbelievable he's been believable every day which is the brilliance of it he's been night in night out like exactly what you want so i'm in a really optimistic place with it i wanted to ask you because people ask me this this week on Sportsfeld. um i am uh, you know for all my caustic wit and sarcasm i'm generally an optimist when think around things and, and generally things think most things are not a huge deal that get blown up into things what is your assessment of of, of Charlie Montoyo for the team at, at this point and Charlie Montoyo for the team say going forward in the future for where they want to get. I, the Blue Jays in their truest form need someone to write the names down in the right order and then fuck off. Right. right? And, 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 and to your point, to your, this is, there's some of this fuck you kind of swagger is going to come out of this team. When George Springer is in the lineup, every day for good. That is a ball team. That's a team that's going to walk into, into almost every stadium in the American league and be like, we're going to win tonight. And if we're, and if, and if, you know, if we have Ryu going, we think we're going to win tonight. If we got Robbie Ray going, we feel like we're going to win tonight. If we have that enormous goofy grinning monkey going, we're going to win tonight. Right? Like, and if Steven Matz is going, He's uh, Steve Matz. We have, we're going to score some runs for him tonight, and then we're going to win. And there's not a lot of people that's going to be able to stop them, right? They they can score a ton of runs. And as soon as you add in George Springer into that mix, you start taking at bats away from any number of those other guys. If it is even Biggio, Biggio, Rowdy, uh, 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 Santiago Espinal, whatever, you start having to like have those guys fight for those leftover spots. So that team kind of runs itself. Montoyo does things 
again, for, for all of it, the talk of him being from coming from the Rays and being, you know, thinking outside of the box, thinking outside of the box for him is like, I'm going to try extra hard to give away an out here by having guys <laughs> bunt with two strikes, which is like, okay, so Santiago Espinal is not probably not a big league caliber hitter. Uh, Reese McGuire is not a big league caliber hitter. Danny Jansen has yet to prove himself over like a bigger than a 30 game sample that he's a big league caliber hitter. So I understand you're trying to, you are trying to avoid the worst case scenario by having any of them hit into a double play in a given moment by taking the bat out of their hands and asking them to to bunt. So that, that stuff's like stupid and kind of an irritating, but like, I don't think it's a deal breaker. Like if, if the blue Jays season comes down to that, it means that, that that a lot of the other things haven't really gone the way they should have gone. Bullpen management. I'm not, I've said this before and I think I might've said it even just last, last week. Like, I'm willing to give him as much credit for when the bullpen is good as blame when the bullpen is bad, which is like, it's hard when guys aren't throwing strikes. It's hard when, and it's hard to be bad when everybody comes in and mows everybody down. When Jordan Romano comes in and is throwing 99 and then throws a 90, 90 mile an hour slider that the guy swings through and everything else is dotted to the corner of the strike zone. Well, yeah, the manager was smart for going like, Hey, go in and do that. Like that's, he doesn't deserve a lot of credit for that, but he also doesn't deserve a lot of brain when, or uh, blame. When Tyler Chatwood, who's been one of his most reliable guys, comes in and then just walks the ballpark, right? Unless unless you want to blame him for taking him out too early, even though he's cooked and and looks like trash and just like, you know, just go get him tomorrow. As long as the players are able to like get up and he does his rah-rah stuff at the, in the exact right amount, as long as it's not too much or too little, which is whatever that is. So I don't know that he's he's the wrong guy or the right guy. I just think if the, if the players will play for him, then it's probably fine. I think that's 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 really as like deeply as I think about it, and 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 as long as he doesn't screw with the order too much, which again, when guys are hitting better, you know that stuff sorts of, sort of will sort of sort itself out. You know, Bo Bichette is a streaky hitter, so he's got two home runs already here today on on Thursday. He's, he maybe maybe is he better as a three hitter, and, and Vlad is two, maybe because then Bo's going to run into one when Vlad is on base fifty percent of the time, as opposed to Vlad coming up with two outs you know, often, not always, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, but that's like the most splitting of hairs. Right. And, yeah. and to say Charlie Montoya, again, thinking outside of the box, he's still going to, he's still going to say some shit. Like we got to make our, put our best run producers in a position to, to make a difference. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think we both, I think we lay on about the, about the same side of, you know, the fact that he says he's happy that they compete when they loot, when they blow games, the raise that's just who Charlie is. I sort of have accepted as like, he's always going to try to a say absolutely nothing. That's going to be number one. I'm always saying nothing mm-hmm. uh, of any value. And number two, he's always going to be a guy that like tries to, to dial it. Any sort of excitement in either way is always going to try to get it back to like a zero. So things that are going very wrong, he'll be like, yeah, you know, but it, it's fine that we're, that we're battling and didn't give up. And then if things going very right, he'll, he'll sort of try to calm that down as well. Like, yeah, we're a good team. We give credit to the opponents. And, and I've, and I've talked about this a lot with, with different people we've had on here. I know I remember speaking about with Craig Goldstein on a previous episode. And, and I think that it's the thing that we saw with today with Manoa even was like, he had almost all his pitches going really well, right? When they, when his changeup's going like that, that's when he's like special, right? If his changeup is ordinary, if they don't have to worry about it, if they can discount it or they can tee off on it because it's kind of sitting in the zone. But that the idea of grinding and the idea of being able to like mentally push through when you're feeling a little fatigued, when you don't have your best stuff, that's a big part of baseball. And that's the thing I think that right now has eluded Nate Pearson in that like if he's not at if he's not at his best, if he, if, if everything isn't clicking and, uh, 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 and and he's not hitting on all cylinders, he's a mess, 
right? Which is like, it's easy to, to pitch when you can, when everything's working and you feel like a hunt, like a million bucks, but to win at the big league level. And, and maybe if that's the insight that Charlie can bring in, that's the, 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 the thing that he can say that they can hear, which is like, it's a, it's a long season. You got to grind through this stuff and you got to be able to go out and, and maybe like Robbie Ray tonight or Steven Matz, a couple of his other starts, uh, not, not the last one against the, uh, against the Yankees, but, um, uh, the previous start where he like struggled. Right. And, and, and it's like, that's, that's what being a big leaguer is as a pitcher in particular, where it's like, you got to get up there and you got to see, like, I'm going to get 15 outs and I'm going to do it by the skin of my teeth. But if he can, if he can, he can, um, imbue the young players with that idea and, and let them get through to, with that and realize that, you know, if you're not, if you go for three, you can still make a great play in the field. You might be, you know, Raddy Telez can't hit it all this year, but he's still doing whatever he can. A, you know, I, I'm, I've, the broadcast, they've done a really good job of like, Show, highlighting parts of Rowdy Tellez that make me really want to cheer for him. And like there was the thing where he was showing Vlad how to play first base, basically. Like drawing a circle with his foot and being like anything outside of that, you got to try scoop and blah, 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 blah. And then again today, so Rowdy doesn't not, not bringing his bad plate appearances into the field. Like those things are important and it sounds stupid. And like if you told 2009 Drew that I was like, the little things matter and like, you know, you can work hard and overcome, I would come through the screen and slap you. But it does matter. So if Charlie can 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 help those guys see those things in times when they don't want to or aren't able to, then he's the right guy. If not, then whatever. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? What's it, Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But let me ask you one other thing too. Charlie says nothing. I don't know if you've been following the Joe Girardi thing where Joe Girardi is just like telling the media, like, I'm not going to tell you stuff anymore. We're not going to tell you why Bryce Harper is out because it's a competitive disadvantage. Do you think that's in, like, does that piss you off? Does that make you, does it, do you care? Like if when they're, I mean, I know that we, we see the Blue Jays are often accused of not being um, transparent when it comes to injuries and be like, oh, it's a bad shoulder. And next thing you know, it's like he's on the aisle. Like, oh, we'll see what happens. Alejandro Kirk's day to day, and then he's on the injured list. Like, does that irritate you? Does it piss you off? I don't know. Do you, do you value that kind of information from the team? I don't know that I value the information, but there is sometimes like stuff will happen that I don't think makes any sense. And I don't know that um, it gets picked up and asked. Like, for I'll give you the example is um, Biggio is on the IL, and in between, basically, he had two days off with a neck injury, then he pinch hit. And then the next day he was on the IL, right? Mm -hmm. So they lose, basically they lose three retroactive IL days and Guriel didn't pinch hit that game because he was too hurt, but then played first the next day and didn't go on the IL. That that sort of stuff fully like it confuses me as to like, how is Guriel not healthy enough to pinch hit? And Biggio is, but the, but less than 24 hours later, Biggio is so injured that he's on the IL and Guriel isn't. There's been like a lot of, and not that I, you know, again, I think with the way the organization is run, I don't, you know, delude myself into thinking that Charlie was like demanding that that is how it goes. I think Charlie is told you're not using this guy today and he has to figure it out. I think there's a, a big part of that. But yeah, there is some there is some strange. It doesn't really piss me off because like they don't owe me anything. I, I do feel like I'm just a fan. I'm just a guy. They don't really owe me anything. And and so it goes. But 
Um, the injury stuff, like like the Springer stuff is comical at this point. Like they're telling you that he's never felt better and that like, like well, <laughs> then he should be, I don't know, like running <laughs> or or something. It, it, it's it's hard because you know, we have heard only that um every single guy is not that hurt and then suddenly Phelps is out for the year or 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 what have you. So it's been frustrating, but I also understand to a degree that they haven't been dealt the easiest hand. And 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 also like we want every injury diagnosed immediately when yeah. in reality swelling has to go down, tests have to be run. Like that that's kind of where I am with this. I think especially the nature of these soft tissue injuries that are happening more and more in 2021, which everybody could see coming. There was so much there was a lot written about this all winter long. Like what is baseball going to do with all these guys that are hurt? And now we're seeing it's like everyone's hurt all the time. And the soft tissue injuries are like they can be difficult to diagnose. I think and 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 I think that the I get the sense that the baseball culture is changing a little bit where it's like you got to go out there and play and you got to do what you got to do and you got to get out there and play every day you're getting you're earning a paycheck so you better be you earn it on the field and the, you know the resentment the stuff that I remember Dirk Hayhurst wrote about about getting shit from veterans cuz he was sitting on the IL getting paid and like sucking up big league check and they were all resentful that he was just sort of like there loitering um I I'd like to think I like to hope that's changing a little bit and that there's not the same stigma, like go out there and play no matter what. But, but it, it can be, it can be frustrating again when, when you just don't know when, when as a fan, you're like, Hey, why is this going on? Especially because we're also quick to like play back, you know, uh, armchair manager and pulling the strings and how could you not do this? And the, the impulse, you know, the old, the old impulse to manage every game, like it's game seven of the world series. Um, in a, in a season like 2021 is doubly um, uh, uh, unlikely just because there are so many things that they're trying to manage. And, and I, I mean, I look how many times Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is playing, uh, is getting time at DH, I think is a little bit, maybe a little bit surprising. But I think if Rowdy was hitting, it would maybe, I, I think that Vlad would play first more. Like I think they're just trying to do anything to get Rowdy comf- comfortable enough to be a threat because, you know, as I said, I, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him and, and his bat has a has a potential to like really offer a lot in the Blue Jays lineup that I think that uh, not that they need a lot of help scoring runs, but it would even make it that much scarier and that much longer. Yeah, no, I I think that's a great point, and I think Randall Grichik is a great example of that. Is like he, you hear a lot of people being like, "Man, Grichik's Grichik's having a, having a nice year." It's like he's pretty much been the same guy he's always been. He's just the sixth most important hitter now, mm-hmm. and so everything he does, you're like, "Oh man, that helped." Versus like you know in the in the last two years, there's been a lot of like he's hitting fourth or he's, he's having, he has to carry them because, because Vlad is struggling. Like you look at that change in expectation. And I think Rowdy is a great example of this. And um, it sort of has allowed Guriel to go through his struggles and find himself and, and be a contributor. They, they do have that depth, uh, especially again, with, if they're going to have Springer, they have the chance to have some depth where guys like Rowdy and, and Guriel and even Grichik are going to be allowed to go through the spells where they don't look great. And and still find ways to contribute with Grichik. It's it's the ability to play the outfield competently to well. Uh, with 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 you know Rowdy is, is as you said he's like teaching and he's and he's picking up you know he's scooping things at first and Guriel has somehow uh, continued to pick up outfield assists uh, even though he's their fifth option I think defensively outfield wise. <laughs> uh, there's stuff. There's at least stuff. So. So it feels good. Uh, yeah. Again, overall, I think you're in a really good spot. I think it, I think you're in a fun spot as well, where you're allowed to. It, it's it's easy to think of transactions that would help, and it's there's a, a wide breadth of players that they could try to add. Uh, it's it's exci- it's exciting. I'm I'm excited. It's the best I've felt about the team in 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 five years. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely think I think you you made a great point about Randall Gritchick too, which is like he is who he is, and he's not he he is heading for maybe like he did it last year too. He's heading for a bit of a higher average, so it kind of looks better. Where it's like, oh, look at him, he's kind of slapping the other way, but it's like he's probably not going to hit as many home runs as he used to. Uh, which is like, is that a tra- is that a worthwhile trade off? It could be. It, it it looks a little bit better, but uh, I love him. You know his offensive profile as a competent, not spectacular center fielder. I'm all I, I've got all kinds of time for that. Him playing right field every day, uh, I don't know. And, and that's where, where same thing with Espinal, where kind of bringing the, this conversation full circle. Some of the, the, I swear there were like three balls hit in the infield this, the, today, and two of them had terrible throws coming back over to, to, to Rowdy, and he had to make a couple of nice plays. So is it, is it, you know, Espinal can't hit, but like, man, it's nice having a competent infielder. Same thing with the outfield. It's like, that's, that's, that's where it gets tough. Okay. So, so when, when George Springer is back, let, let's, let, let, I'll, I'll ask you this. This will be our last question. Our last part of the thing. If, when George Springer is back, what's your ideal Blue Jays outfield? If it's like, okay, the Blue Jays are heading in to Tampa. They really need to win this series. George Springer is healthy. He's playing the outfield every day. What does your Blue Jays outfield look like? I think it's got to be Springer and Teoscar as your first two. Listen, Teoscar is sneaky, the most important guy. That's a drum I tried to beat, and then his his return sneakily. He's the most important guy. Everybody's always in a good mood when he's around. Uh, I think he's got to be. He's the he's always a really important piece of it. And then you know, I think you have the luxury of saying um, you get to see who's in a better groove between Grichik and and Guriel. And before the season, I probably would have said Guriel, but I think right now it's Grichik. I just sort of think. Total package, game to game, knowing what you're getting, um, you know, it always generally just makes a, a competent to good outfield plays. Gets the ball in quickly when he gets it. Uh, I know Guriel gets the gets the showcase on the great arm, but that's because he is a terrible fielder. Uh, it's sort of like he's getting himself in a position where guys are like, "Oh, I can take two. That guy has no idea what he's doing out there." And maybe part <laughs> of it's fate, but you know, you'll take the you'll take the you'll take the the solid competence. Yeah, t- to me, it's to me, it's it's. Grichik Hernandez uh, and Springer. I think that's a gift. I think that's a lot of power. I think that's a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, a pretty well-rounded outfield. You know, you sort of have a lot of everything as well as some speed, as well as some, you know, a little bit of defense, depending on, we have no idea what Springer's going to look like defensively, of course. But mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I think that, especially when you look at how not long ago it was when like Alan Hansen was rotating into right field, <laughs> Socrates Brito. Uh, Socrates Brito. At least he's an outfielder. They had they had second. They had Joe Panic playing left field. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's it's a nice quick uh, that especially the outfield is a nice reminder of like how quickly this has turned around and and how easy it is to be optimistic because you really do have four options of we you know you you mentioned with Espinal he's probably not a major league hitter and, and Dave is probably not a major league hitter. Uh, mm. Three four guys who are absolutely major league hitters like no question no doubt. Uh, guys who can get it done at the, at the highest level, so it makes me very, very exciting. It, it, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting. It, I think it'll be tough because uh, it's definitely more art than science when it comes to it, especially because of the kind of hitter that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is. That whether or not you are going to play him every day, or whether you're going to move him to DH, or have him come off the bench, or whatever it might be, he's so streaky, right? Because he just swings at everything and he puts everything in play. So it, once if he's hot, which is again. Case runs counter to what what a lot of you know early statistical analysis would have suggested is a real thing, but it's like you know he is who he is. But 
when all those hits come in clusters, you want to kind of take advantage of those clusters. It's like, it's like betting, you know, in blackjack when you, when, if you're able to count cards or anything, you know that, oh, there's a lot of tens left in the deck. It doesn't mean you're going to win the next hand, but like the odds are stacked in your favor. And, and if a guy like, like Griel who clusters all his hits together, well, you got to take advantage of that. So that might mean riding out the bad defense uh, at the expense of the, the underwhelming or, or unspectacular competence of Randall Gritchick. So it'll be really interesting. It'll be interesting because I, I can, I'm looking f- so much forward to the day where it's like George Springer, you just write an eight next to his name and put him in, in the number four spot. And it's just kind of like off we go. But uh, those days will come. I certainly hope so. Oh my goodness. Let us put a plug in for the things that you do. Mr. Andrews, where can the people find you? When, where can they learn about the brain and when can they listen to Sportsfeld? <laughs> uh, Sportsfeld at Sportsfeld. It's, it's, we're basically turning into a full time Jays podcast. I can't talk about anything else anymore. Uh, a little bit of the buds. Leafs. Yeah, the a buds. little bit of buds. We, we like of the first 40 minutes, we'll do 30, 30 minutes flat on the Jays and then we'll do 10 minutes on the buds probably right now. Um, but yeah, uh, Sportsfeld, they come out Thursday mornings and I do a show behind the Patreon wall. For subscribers that comes out every Monday morning, which is just me basically talking to myself, and then I'll have a guest on about once a month to get some to get some temperature. Uh, I basically go through every single game and just sort of give a game by game review. And as well, if you're into wrestling, uh, wrestling brain Wednesday nights after AEW Dynamite, my friend Josh and I is on Twitch, twitch.tv slash wrestling brain. People all over are saying wrestling brain. Uh, I'm not sure if you know that, but uh, I we, saw, we basically I saw some, do, a streamer say it. Yes, uh, Penelope Ford. She's a wrestler. She's a wrestler. We oh. you. They, they should see the wrestling brain. Uh, yeah, we, we do a post show after AEW Dynamite, and we take calls on the air. It's main, absolute maniacs. It's 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 hilarious. It's like it's like if you gave this call that we're on, if you just gave the link out in public, and we're like, all right, whoever wants to come on, that's what we do for wrestling. It's 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 actually a hilarious community. We've had some great people uh, be very generous and and have some hilarious conversations, and and it's been funny. People from like Texas, Oklahoma uh chicago vancouver uh it's it's been really really fun to see who calls in and, and you never really know when you put that link out into the ether so uh, we're having a tons of fun but yeah mainly sports belt for this audience probably thursday mornings uh and monday morning is your uh blue monday which we'll we'll see about you know if that becomes a if we get a good playoff run if that becomes a public thing because i have a lot of fun doing it awesome well mr zuber thank you so much as always i hope you're having i hope you're well there in the region and it's always a pleasure to talk to you it's always a pleasure to talk to everybody who's listening to this as i probably said at the beginning i don't know yet i haven't recorded that part yet uh make sure you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate subscribe to the athletic subscribe to the show his name is andrew zuber my name is drew fair service caitlin mcgrath and i will talk to you on sunday on the next edition of spin rate.